if you take core CPI, the actual index, which is seasonally adjusted, the read there is 313.216. That probably doesn't mean anything to you. It means something to me. That's the highest it's ever been. It's ever been. Now remember, Bureau of Labor Statistics brings out this number. Go to their website. When did COVID start? March of 2020? Okay, this is a decent number. That means NOVA was the most updated we had prior to about two minutes ago. If you go to their website and you look at their CPI inflation calculator and you put in uh, Feb of 2020, what you'll find is it takes a dollar 19 of NOVA $23 to buy what bought a dollar pre-COVID. I've always said that if there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal, that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently, no. you're afraid of my words. <laughs> oh, I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. Uh, the, the president has put forth over $10 billion to assist at the border. We've mm -hmm. always been for controlling our border, for securing the border. There's never been a question about that. Your husband is 81. At the end of a second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I see his passion. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number one. 164 here on a balmy Thursday, January 11th. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And, and I'm an especially vigorous Mike McKenna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jill, Jill, oh, Jill. Boy. Jill. There's just some... Dr. Biden. There's... Dr. Biden. We do not want to know was... your <laughs> names. I was going to say, there's just some stuff you don't want to know. just things that we don't want to know, and that's <laughs> one of them. So his vigor works hard. I he's you've seen him floating around the country working for the American people. Yikes. Okay. So uh the numbers popped today. Uh CPI climbed 3.4% year over year, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That is higher than the 3.1 raise in November. Uh, and higher than the expected 3.2 that was predicted. Stocks prices are a tumbling, and woe is me. Any hopes and dreams of the Fed lowering interest rates in March have been dashed. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fundamental that's a fundamental takeaway from that particular bit of news, right? Is that the Fed's not going to touch this stuff for at least another three months? 
So housing prices are sticky. Yeah, they're gonna keep sticky. You're gonna keep being <laughs> sticky until <laughs> that phrase is like I love that phrase now. Sticky. Sticky. I mean, they're gonna housing prices are sticky, Mike. It, it if your team Biden, this is this is some bad news with some bad timing, right? Because it means it means means the economy is going to keep being what it's being probably for another three, four months. That's not good. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not a big fan of this whole Fed deciding what my interest rates should be. I don't know what the alternative is, but I'm going to go spend some time with Bob Murphy and get educated on this stuff. So it, it, you're, you're coming into the middle of what's been a 220 year argument in America, whether we right. should, whether we should have a national bank or not. And we, Alexander Hamilton, by the way, was born on this day. So I don't think I don't think Alex. You know, I, I realize I'm about to. I'm going to get a bunch of hate. <laughs> no, now. no, no, no. I, I don't mean to start this. Hold on. But I, I don't think Alexander Hamilton was particularly beneficial to the United States of America. <laughs> I think he. I think he set us off in some directions that were not good. I. I, I may be coming. That's maybe, what you get with trusting some orphan dude from the Caribbean. I was going to say you can't run our federal poli monetary policy. These illegal immigrants. It. 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 Um. <laughs> As I'm getting older, I may have become a Jeffersonian. I, I'm not sure how that happened, but I'm yeah. I don't know. He's got some issues too. So yeah, I get it. But generally speaking, I think he was probably closer to the right idea. Like, you know, do we really do we really need a standing navy? Do we really need a national bank? Well, then he went ahead and bent the rules with his Lewis and Clark expedition and whatnot. So no, I don't mind the Lewis and Clark. Yeah, no, that. everyone's got their own little and I like the Louisiana Look, interpretations of the okay. you know. Everybody says this. Let's just get it done right now. The Louisiana right. purchase was smart and within. Oh, I have no problem with the and, No, no, and, hold on. No, wait a minute. It wasn't and, that. It was the justification for the expedition. Who cares about the expedition? I mean, which the only he studied, which he used the comp. He he, ex he he expanded the the commerce clause to do so. The only thing that bothers me about the expedition is is that everybody pretends it's the first time Americans ever got out to those mountains. I'm like, mountain men have been going out in those mountains for thirty years before Lewis and Clark showed up, but they were private sector guys, so it didn't count. Right, exactly. Anyway, God. all right, we're gonna talk a lot about just a hell of a lot in that couple of paragraphs, the, right? We're there. gonna talk a hell of a lot about <laughs> the government's role uh, in this episode. I got a few clips that'll set us off. So it's clear to me that there isn't a path to win the nomination. Governor Christie bows out. I don't think there ever was a path for for Chris Christie to win the nomination. It was pretty clear four years ago. It was pretty clear now. Um, Getting out now, uh, he's still on the ballot in New Hampshire, uh, although, you know, people realize people in New Hampshire are smart, so they won't vote for him. Will he endorse Chris, uh, Nikki Haley? Uh, he had a hot mic moment where he basically said she was Bush League. Um, interesting dynamic, but I don't know. I don't know what change. I don't know what, if anything, changes in, in terms of the dynamics here of the of the Republican presidential primary race thoughts what, comments what do you mean are you trying to tell me that that chris christie didn't have hundreds of thousands of followers who are gonna you know well no but he had a little bit of a cult following in new hampshire so the question is do they all go to nikki and does she close the gap enough to help her case uh for super tuesday with one of her states um, yeah, so the survey work indicates about two thirds of his his support's going to jump over to um, Governor Haley. Um, it it, it hmm. 
I'm not sure how to say this the right way, so I'm just going to say it. Um, I would have a marked preference for Donald Trump before Governor Haley. A marked preference. Yes, I think that. And, and I uh, don't think you've made the point on occasion that Governor Haley is not going to bring any Trump voters to her camp. No, that's right. The only Whereas a DeSantis had a chance to do that. So it, it, it you know, my, I, I made no secret of the fact that my fundamental preference would be the governor from Florida, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. And I'm pretty confident the governor from former governor from South Carolina is not going to happen either. I don't think the Chris Christie thing changes any of that one bit. It, it, yeah. it, the, 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 look, this thing about the campaign it, it bothered me, both campaigns, both DeSantis and um, Governor Haley, right? <laughs> each of them has fig- has each of them has proceeded as if the other is what they're shooting at. I'm like, dude, you are shooting. You should be shooting at the front runner. Both of you should be shooting at the front runner. If you have a critique with him, you should offer it up. And if you don't have a critique with him, you should get out of the race. Right. I, I was going to say you shouldn't be running because yeah. that's your. So um, I don't. I don't understand why you're running if you're not going to. I mean, did did. Did Governor Haley get in the race to attack Ron DeSantis? Is that why she's running for president? Because that's crazy. And same with DeSantis and Haley. It's, it's, whatever. I, I'm not even going to get into like the consultants and the contractors and this. Okay, thing. let's know. It'll let's just bore you know, our audience. Yeah, yeah. It, All it, right. So just, Hunter, Hunter, but Hunter Biden's. I don't know this whole like macho Hunter thing that the lawyers have. This n- narrative of you know. Hunter fights back and feisty Hunter, whatever. This hearing yesterday, the con- holding him contempt while he's sitting there and then leaving with MTG about to speak. Um, I think there are too many like Twitter Twitter members on that committee. <laughs> <at this point. laughs> that's that's my assessment. Um, because there's nothing going on here that people are like, okay, that's substantive. So I I it, the circus factor is very high here. Let's put it yeah. that way. I will point out one thing about about Mr. Biden that continues to bother me. One only, just one. Look, the fact that he himself is doused, the fact that he's doused himself with kerosene, lit himself on fire, and is rolling down a hill in his personal life. I, I don't. Yeah, no, I I, I, I pity I feel, for for him, and right, um, I feel bad for him. As but, a Catholic and a Christian, I I feel know. bad for him, but he's a grown man and he made his decisions, right? That's right. The but he's got a little kid, and he still hasn't spent any time at all with that little kid. And, and that just... I don't well, we don't know that for sure, do we? Yeah, we pretty much do, because he's spending all his time doing this nonsense. Yeah. And his kid is in Arkansas. I, like, dude, I don't... I don't understand. Anyway. I don't understand people. So Hunter is in contempt. Uh, Mayorkas is now, uh, uh, proceedings have begun for his impeachment. Yeah, I'm worried about Hunter that. Hunter Biden uh, stuff continues. I had a, a wonderful clip from AOC, because we haven't heard from her in a while. She's Thank kind goodness. of faded out of the... But she she t- told... Uh, She's no longer setting the leftward post told, of the Democratic um, Party. What's his name there uh, on CNN there? Hurricane boy, what's his name there? Uh, Gloria Vanderbilt's son. Oh, um, um, come on, Anderson. Oh, it, <laughs> Anderson, it was, Anderson oh, Cooper. The fact of the matter is, is that the Republicans have weaponized the tools of Congress and impeachment to satisfy their own political, you know, exigencies. Who said this? This was AOC. AOC. Yeah. 
these guys are great. I love it. They wake up every morning and like nothing matter what they what they did or said before is irrelevant. It's like anyway. So I got to tell uh, you this before you go on. Let me tell you this thing. So I, I I went for a long run around the hill yesterday, and all the um yards that had defend the climate little you know yeah um, were they blown over? On? No, they have all been replaced by full ceasefire now. Little oh posters. really? Yeah. Yeah. So on your run, you've noticed that oh, they're yeah, yeah, moving yeah, on yeah. to a new narrative. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And it just cracks me up. I'm like, that's good. I'm like, sure, whatever the thing of the day is, just give me a sign. I'll put it up. Yeah, I, I like that one. It's like I believe in this. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's almost like mocking the creed. You know, there's still there's oh, who cares? There's still some there's still some of those left hanging on, but mostly <laughs> they've all switched over to full ceasefire now. It. They can't just believe in, they've got to put it all in there. They don't want to offend anybody <laughs> by not putting all of their grievances in I, I, in one sign I, that you, you know, can't if, read because you got to squint to see all the words. You have to think if you're their neighbor, you'd probably just go over to them one day. Hey, Tom, I'm fully in favor of full ceasefire. If you'll stop shooting at me, I'll stop shooting at you. Because <laughs> it wasn't any reference to Hamas or Israel or anything, but you knew they were talking about, right? Anyway. Another example of of Democrats, uh, you know, not giving a crap about their integrity or honesty. Speaker Emerita, don't ever say that word phrase again. There's no such thing. Speaker Emerita, former Speaker. Hey, you got to give credit to McCarthy. At least he's like, yeah, I'm not Speaker. I'm out of here. Yeah, Speaker Speaker Emerita Pelosi, former Speaker. Is she by former the way? By the way, is she, is she is, okay? Since we're doing this, is she a is she a former is she a pinup girl emerita as well? Or I don't have a clue. I don't have former mayor. Is she was she mayor of Baltimore? No, that was her. Or dad. Her dad was. was her dad. Anyways, she says the fact of the matter is Democrats have always been for securing the border. Mike, true. I had no idea. I think she was talking about the Canadian border. Oh, okay. Fair enough. We're not going to let those Canucks in under any set of circumstances, but everybody else is fair game. One, one of uh, <laughs> our our listeners and, and occasional content providers found a parody Twitter account, X account, uh, and uh, she posted, the term sanctuary city means a city that supports immigration, not a city that welcomes migrants. What would be the point of importing foreign voters to areas which already vote blue? <laughs> so, good Lord. Thought that was pretty good. It, it, yeah, I totally agree. The Democrats always border security. It's not like we're having this conversation every three or four years. Yeah. I um, hope that when I'm Joe's president, Joe's age, I have as much of a vigor. Vega. Vega. As he does. Uh <laughs> I'll leave it at that. What announcements do you have this this week, sir? Any? I myself have vigor and energy. Um, what happened in 1908? What happened on this day in 1908? Let me give you a hint. Land grab. Land grab. Land grab. 1908. We. I don't know. What did we steal in 1908? That was the day that Theodore. Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, he did set up a national Yellowstone. Was he Yellowstone? Made the Grand Canyon Grand a national Canyon. monument. Yeah, yeah. It, it. Um, I, I would. I would. Can I take a detour here for a second? 
Um, yeah. our, our friends at the Independent Women Forum, the Center for Energy and something else. Mandy? Um, no, but Gabrielle Hoffman is now running. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. She um, she is actually an expert on the Antiquities Act, as it turns out. She and, I had mm-hmm. a lengthy, she and I had a lengthy conversation. Apparently, there's a Brookings monograph floating around that says you can reverse those. I, I need to read it. I have it. I have not yet read it. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I hope it's sturdy. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just, I think that a lot of people would assume that uh, the Grand Canyon deserves national park status, but Absolutely. in fact, it was a unilateral executive order uh, that established uh, the, uh, the Grand Canyon as a national monument until Congress finally um, uh, designated a national park. So uh, that's not much different than these days, right? With yeah. with the argument about the the Monuments Act. Yeah, the thirty by thirty thing is an under, is it an un, underestimated and un um, not talked about nearly enough. The thirty by thirty problem. He, Teddy was a New Yorker too. I guess him and Trump have that in common. Where he true, he he passed that that permanent land conservation fund deal where. Now, uh, oil and gas revenue will go towards buying federal land because we need more of that. Yeah, you know, it's it is kind of a it is kind of a story that runs like a thread through American history for the last hundred or so years. These Easterners, they they like to grab some. They like to grab other people's lands. I don't quite get it. I mean, I, 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 now all you all you listeners, I'm not. This is not to say I don't think that the Grand Canyon is. Uh, as deserving of its status as a park, but the point is, is that the it's the process by which it was created that is no different than it is today when we complain about bear's ears and all that other stuff. All right, in 1935, 1935, Huey this Hue, happened. Huey Long was assassinated. Day, Huey Long was assassinated. No, sir. On, in 1935, on this day, Amelia Earhart was lost made the first successful flight from Hawaii to California, a distance longer than that from the United States to Europe. And then she was lost to never, never to be found. There was nothing we could do. There wasn't nothing we could do. So it, 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 whatever. All right. Last one in night. No, I got two actually. I think she, in I think she and DB Cooper are living together. Go ahead. In 1973. <laughs> I don't think our producer got that at all. I don't think he did. No, he did. He, 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 no, he did. Good. He's probably seen a movie. Alex, the producer, because people said it was rude not to call him by his name. In 1973, this happened after several attempts. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's roll the tape back. What do you mean it's rude to call the producer Some, the producer? One of our listeners provided unsolicited feedback that we shouldn't call him the call him producer. He has a name. Mm. And so calling him Alex, the producer. Let me tell you a secret. I ignore solicited input. So you could imagine what I do to unsolicited <laughs> input. Go ahead. This happened in 1973. And you can thank a well-known and eccentric owner of one uh, Oakland A's. Uh, Reggie Jackson. No, that happened later. Um, Catfish Hunter got traded to the, to the Yankees. Give you a hint. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll get your baseball. I'm swinging a baseball bat, sir. I'm swinging a baseball bat. You're swinging a baseball. Okay. 
Go ahead. What's the happened? DH rule was instated in uh, the American League? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. The DH. I'm not sure that was a good rule. Well, uh, it's now officially in both leagues after fierce resistance yeah, for many, many years. It's like starting. Yeah, it's like starting on second base. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. So, anyway, uh, and then lastly, and only because uh, I I just felt like throwing this in there. This happened in 1989 on this day, January 11th, 1989. January 11th, 1989. Let me read an excerpt from, from from this event. Sure. And in all of that time, I won a nickname, the Great Communicator. But uh, I never it was Reagan's that farewell was speech. Reagan's or my fa- words. Yeah, Reagan's farewell speech. Yeah, yeah, boy. I I never thought it was my style or the words I used that made a difference. It was the content. I wasn't a great communicator, but I communicated great things. And they didn't spring full bloom from my brow. They came from the heart of a great nation. From our experience, our wisdom, and our belief in the principles that have guided us for two centuries. They called it the Reagan revolution. Well, I'll accept that. But for me, it always seemed more like the great rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he's making a point here. I kind of like it, right? That, that, that they, they, the, the left try to marginalize him by calling him a great communicator. Cause Hey, his ideas are nonsense, but he's a great communicator. And, you know, I, whatever. It, yeah. No, it's it's also a wonderful segue because uh, it is a running theme throughout the Democratic Party that their ideas are important, but it's just that they don't communicate well. They just don't communicate them effectively. As my friend Frank Lunch used to say, um, as my friend Frank Lunch used to say, saying that you don't communicate well is not the same as communicating well. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, are we ready to get into this? As if we haven't already? <laughs> sure, why not? All right. So now uh, we're uh, two more uh, retirements were announced this week. Congressman Greg Pence, the brother of former Vice President Mike Pence, and uh, Larry, I'm going to butcher his name. Bouchon. 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 Yeah, Dr. Bouchon. Yeah. Also, Dr. Bouchon, also from Indiana, making it a total of 44 open seats for the cycle. Yeah, 44 retirements. We're a little bit, we're a little bit, um, we're a little bit over the average. Right? I think the average in the off year is about 35, 37, something like that. Yeah. So we're a little bit over. Not, everyone's like making it sound like we're cataclysmically like 900 guys are retiring. I'm like, we're a little bit over. That's what we are. You know, we're not at 60. We're not at 50. Either. Yeah. We're a little bit over. Uh, there'll be a lot of new faces. The, we- the weird sure, thing. Right? The, yeah. The weird thing about these, the weird thing about the last couple of names is, um, especially uh, the guy from Missouri, Lukemeyer, right? Dan Lukemeyer. Um, yeah. He's in line to basically run financial services. And, you know, you, the only, the only way you can interpret the retirement is he, he thinks we're going to lose the house. And he doesn't want to be ranking member. He's like, the hell with that. I don't want to be a ranking yeah. member. Because, you know, if we lose the House, if Trump wins, we lose the House. We're not going to win the House back in 2026, which means you'd be ranking member for at least four and maybe six years. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of these guys are thinking like that because a lot of these are senior guys 
Um, you know, Larry Bouchon is in line for, I think, he, to run a subcommittee or a committee. Anyway, same kind of thing, right? Do you really want to be a ranker for four, six years? Or if, you know, if you're 55 years old, you're like, man, I just want to go home and be a normal person. Sure. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I, it's the, it's the assessment of guys who know, right? Guys who, who play this game like every day. It's the assessment of elected officials that, hey, man, we're going to lose the house. That worries me. Not the retirements, the assessments. All right. Um, did you guys, did you watch either the debate and or the Trump town hall thingy last night? Are you drunk? <laughs> no, I'm totally sober. Are you, who, 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 who would watch that if you didn't have to? What, I didn't, I asked only because I didn't. Of course you did. <laughs> and I didn't. You had and some, I don't, you had I some other part of our job to do, to do these things and, and then provide some Keen insights for our listeners. I will provide you so. keen insights right now. <laughs> None of those things was worth watching. Not a one of them. Fair enough. It was there, okay. first off. NC NC State was playing North Carolina, so I watched that. Oh, uh, congratulations to Michigan for no winning the no uh, no whatever this new form whatever this thing is now under, this college under no circumstances am I ever blue? under no circumstances am I ever going to congratulate Michigan for winning anything. Go blue. Go, go. Try not, Don't say it. It's, go, a, it's a clean show. <laughs> go go. try not to cheat next year. It's a clean show. Go Don't try see. not to cheat next year, Michigan. Yeah, that might hang over their heads a little bit. Might? Did, People harangued me uh, for the LSU championship that we, that were then stripped of. So I'm sorry, which LSU championship? Remember we beat LSU, I guess, a few national championship, we, and then the Republicans, we the, we, the old we, white guys, we, we the Trojans, we the the Trojans fight on for all to see. Ba, 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 what happened ba, ba, to no, Notre Dame this year? How, how that end? They continue to gra they continue to graduate thousands of qualified people into the economy, <laughs> making America better. How about, how make, about America, no, make America Notre Dame again? How about USC or Michigan? How'd they do? All right. Um, 14, four, 14 is the answer, by the way. Notre Dame uh, finished the season ranked 14th with 10 wins and three losses. That's not so bad. It, it's, that's, that's it's pretty good. Doesn't, it's not terrible, but for Notre Dame, you're like, dude, come on. They mowed over my, my team this year. All right. So, you know, you remember that big debate between. Governor DeSantis and Governor Gavin Newsom. Yes. Remember? Yes. We're all excited about this red versus blue. Yes. Yeah. Well, apparently things aren't so great in California after all. <laughs> you mean this is from the LA Times. <laughs> are you How trying to tell Newsom... me? Are you trying to tell me that <laughs> winning a debate or losing a debate doesn't change the trajectory of your no, state? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But how Newsom plans to fix California's projected $37.9 billion budget deficit. Of course, that is a low number, low estimate, because there are other uh, there are other reports that say it's actually in the neighborhood of $60 billion Hey, plus. Am I right? So am I right in thinking that as recently as a year ago they were running a surplus? Yeah, they were running a surplus because they were getting all huge the federal cash of federal cash. Of, of, of the COVID money, right? Yeah. Wow. Exactly, so. 60, 60 billion. That's a lot, even for California. I I predict so Governor Gavin Newsom asked California lawmakers on Wednesday to dip into the state's rainy day reserves and signaled his desire to potentially delay a minimum wage increase 
for healthcare workers as part of his plan to offset an expected $37.9 billion deficit. A confluence of weaker than expected revenues, delayed tax deadlines, and overspending based on, quote, inaccurate budget projections create a budget shortfall. Newsom's new de deficit estimate is more than double the shortfall he and lawmakers anticipated last June, a tacit admission of how badly the state underestimated the size and scope of the budget hole. You know what I'd like to see? And I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to find out that California's outspent its means. What I would like to see, and I, I, it's got to be somewhere, what is the value of good weather and beautiful topography? And, and here's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. California for 10 years now has had net domestic outmigration, right? The only reason the population isn't, isn't collapsing even worse than it is is because um, they have immigration from out of the country, right? They basically have a, um, you know, folks coming over the southern border. Um, so a bunch of people are voting with their feet, right? And a bunch of people, the rest of them, the ones who survive, the ones who stay, are paying incredibly confiscatory tax rates, right? Yeah. And, and the only thing California has that other states do not have is really beautiful weather and a interesting topography, right? It's the only, it's the only state where you have deserts, mountains, and the ocean. Right? Mm hmm So that's basically what you're paying for if you're living in California. And and I want to know, like, has an economist ever done like what's the actual value of that to people? You know, what you know, they're paying some additional chunk in taxes. In other words, what's the price of that to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, it's, and some it's, people it's variable or there's a threshold for everybody. Right, exactly. Right? But you know, my parents left California four years ago because they were retired and they were basically paying California prices and not getting much right benefit for for right, that exactly. so they moved to Nevada yeah. where it's slightly hotter and only a desert but you know they've moved into a bigger house and right. have a pool and are paying the same or less for their electricity right. less for gas less for food less for everything else that they spend on a day-to-day -day basis because that's I would that's the only I, I would so yeah, so their threshold was what whatever it was. Right. But the different there's an exit price for everybody, but it would be interesting because then you could predict, okay, they're gonna raise taxes by sixty billion dollars, they're gonna lose another whatever, two hundred thousand yeah. people, four hundred thousand people. And that's information like a state like Texas, or Florida, or Tennessee, or North Carolina, or Nevada could use. They could be they could be like they could they could run an ad campaign on like, hey man, you know, had enough, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway. Sorry, it's something that's always been good. No, it's a good theory. And and it's funny because um when I was doing my research, I uh I stumbled on an article that the governor's father-in-law was <laughs> furious, <laughs> furious with Governor DeSantis because he sold he did not move to Florida because it was better run and less crime and everything else. He moved to Florida because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed just as loud as you are right now with that BS excuse, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where in the world is the weather better than in California? Come on. It's not better in Florida. <laughs> Period. End of story. 
But, you know, Gavin, you can't blame the governor for this. It's not his fault. It's not the fault of the super progressive super majority in the legislature. It's not the fault of the fact that they're shoveling tons of money into their various progressive constituencies uh, so that they may benefit politically for that. No, the reason for the budget shortfall is climate change. Sure. If you recall, this time last year, we were dealing with unprecedented flooding, Newsom said. Little did we know that those extreme weather patterns would lead to this extreme volatility in financial projections. This is literally a quote from Gavin Newsom. You know, so. you know the frustrating thing about it is, I bet you his approval rating is not going to suffer at all. No, he's, you know, he's got great hair. Here's something. Here's something that everybody who's everybody within earshot should should devoutly hope for, and that is that when the artificial intelligence economy takes off, that it is based in some place normal, like Phoenix or Austin or um, somewhere, and not in the not in the Bay Area, because because this this wave of technological cash, which started. I guess in Microsoft, right, 35, 40 years ago. Yeah. This wave of technological cash is the only thing keeping California afloat. And if we, it, if AI winds up being a California thing, it will keep them afloat for another 30 years. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, well, there are two, there are two ways to, there are two practical ways to bridge this deficit. Yeah, yeah. First is, this is from the Sacramento Bee, California Democrat pushes wealth tax. Sure. California Democrat is renewing his efforts to tax wealthy residents' net worth as a potential solution to closing the gap. A Democratic Assembly Speaker Robert Rivas' new approach to running bills through legislative committees means the proposal will get a hearing. At AB 259 wins a 1% tax on the net worth of residents with more than $50 million in assets with a 1.5% bracket, blah, blah, blah. Um... Governor Newsom is strongly opposed to this. Sure. Sure. Well, being the, being an heir to the Getty fortune will make, exactly. it'll make you that way. <laughs> Not a fan, he says. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out, turns out the rich people don't like to be taxed. What? Yeah. <laughs> As Governor Newsom has said repeatedly over the years, a wealth tax is not part of the conversation. Clearly it uh, is. Clearly it is, Gavin. And then here's a second. Uh, here's a second way to bridge the gap. Are you ready? This is called the Otani tax. This is from uh, NBC Los Angeles. California controller pitches tax code change over Shohei Otani's Dodgers contract. Deferred contract structure, which includes deferred payments, yeah. led California's controller to request a change in tax code that caps the amount of money deferred. Really? Um, comes weeks after, uh, two week, four weeks after the two-way star uh, and Los Angeles Dodger agreed to a record 700 million tenure contract containing 680 million in deferred payments due from 2034 to 2043. They should call this the Bonilla Seriously, contract. The Bobby the Bonilla, Bonilla, the Bobby the Bonilla, Bonilla. clause. It, it... If Otani is not living in California at the time he receives the deferred money, he potentially could avoid what is currently the state's 13.3% income tax and 1% payroll tax for disability. 
And you know damn well he's not going to be a California resident the day that the, these deferrals kick in, right? Of course, I hope not. I assume the only the only reason you defer the compensation is to make sure you're somewhere else. Interesting, oh, yeah. interesting. Of course, the other thing they could do is just increase the capital gains tax in California, but that would yeah. cause that would cause the technological community to go bonkers because they all have their they're making their money off capital gains from ownership shares. It it it's a it's a conundrum, as the young people like to say. It's a problem. It's sad. California dream and just just the golden state. Oh my, the the former governor Ronald Reagan's Cal state. California's beautiful if you're beautiful if you're rich, terrible if you're not. And eventually, everyone's going to figure that out, right? Um. Okay. Shall we move on? Sure. On? Always. I never. I never get tired of leaving <clears throat> California's conversations. So Cal, uh, the government wants to run our, uh, we've made it clear on this uh, unregulated podcast uh, that the government is very keen in telling us what types of vehicles we can drive, what kind of stoves we can buy, what kind of appliances that we should uh, purchase for our kitchens and our uh, lawnmowers and so on and so forth. They, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. They are so good at managing things. Why should we assume that they won't do a great job running, uh, running the, uh, basically, uh, you know, taking over our energy system. This is from Politico education department, 758,000 more student borrowers hit with billing errors as did with the first batch of borrowers. The agency said on Friday that it would suspend interest on the accounts of affected borrowers and not require them to make payments until the issues are resolved. Um, <laughs> the errors are the latest sign of a bumpy restart to federal student loan payments, which has been frozen for more than three and a half years. Frozen, really? frozen for more than three and a half years. The new servicing hiccups, which included a failure to send timely statements, followed the Education Department's disclosure last year that more than 2.5 million borrowers were subject to similar problems in October. And that's not all, folks. The uh, the Wall Street Journal today, and and I can I know this firsthand because my wife has been dealing with this on a daily basis now for over two weeks. The federal, um, it's FAFSA, the federal application for federal student aid. Um, they did a rebrand and a, a, they've sort of up quote unquote change the application process to make it easier for people to receive free money for education from the federal government sure, the fast and way. have completely botched it. Shocker. Yeah. And nobody can get their applications filled out. And therefore all of their um, financial aid packages are going to be delayed. And, and all the colleges now are, are basically like, we can't admit you until we've got certification of your aid. So hmm. Barack Obama did, you know, did this, right? Congress gave him federalized the student loan program and now they're running it and they just don't seem to be quite up to snuff there. Mr. McCarran. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm amazed. I'm kind of amazed about, I am surprised about FAFSA, right? I mean, FAFSA's long been around longer longer than me right i applied for it when i was a kid so i mean i you know ran the form so it's a form that like why do people continue to feel a need to screw around with things i don't understand it sorry 
That's all right. Uh, anyway, so um, so what you're saying is the federal government may not actually be able to run things well. I don't know. I'm I'm just using anecdotal evidence and anecdotes to show that maybe perhaps federal government shouldn't be involved in a lot of things that they're involved in. I don't uh, know. I'm I'm fairly confident the new government in Afghanistan disagrees with you completely. <laughs> Sorry, should should not have said that. Am I not allowed to say that? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Um, I got a lot of stuff going on here. I don't know. Do you, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause my list and see if you have anything you wanna uh, uh, you wanna lead with here. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I have one thing and one thing only to say this week, and that is, <clears throat> if we are talking about carbon dioxide, let us talk about carbon dioxide. If we are talking about carbon, let us talk about carbon. But our experience inside the survey research. The opinion research is that voters understand them to be two different things. Carbon dioxide is plant food, useful for life here on Earth, and it is not, in fact, a pollutant. Carbon is black soot that comes out as black soot, S O O T, that comes out of tailpipes and other industrial facilities, other industrial emissions points. I mentioned not so much anymore, though, these days. True, but still. I mention this because there are some folks who insist on calling things carbon taxes and carbon tariffs when they are, in fact, carbon dioxide taxes and carbon dioxide tariffs. And the reason why the left calls them carbon taxes and carbon tariffs is because they know what I just said, that people think carbon is a pollution, is pollutant, is a pollution, is pollution, yeah? and they understand that carbon dioxide is not. So, okay. So from now on, sports fans, like if you say are going to send a letter to somebody, or if you're going to talk about it in public, carbon dioxide. This is not complicated. Simple messaging backed by decent, not incredibly thorough, but decent and all directional survey research. That's, that's your that's your public service announcement for the day. That's okay. It. Well, that is. Um... Important segue because we here at the American Energy Alliance uh, in a, uh, and jointly with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity headed by Steve Moore and uh, uh, other great individuals, Phil Kirpin over there, Tim, we have released a survey uh, on voter attitudes in battleground states on the state of the economy or I'm sorry, the state of the nation and also more specifically on energy issues. And it turns out, Mike. Yeah. Nobody cares about climate change. What now? Are you sure? That's what it says. It says here, what is the most pressing issue facing the United States right now? A whole 39% said the economy or inflation uh, and 10 offered immigration. The remainder, uh, a long list of issues, including health care, President Biden and the budget, um, and climate change hovered in at in the neighborhood of two to three percent each. Uh, and then when asked the second most issue uh, uh, facing the nation, a whole 20 percent who didn't say economy the first time said economy and inflation and 12 said immigration. So combined, that is 59 percent of all Americans think the economy is the most pressing issue facing the day. Tom, I know you're wrong, and you have to be wrong, because everyone keeps telling me climate change is an essential threat. So 
I'm certain the economy isn't an existential threat. So how can you say that voters prioritize a non-existential threat over an existential threat? It's it's just it's just in the numbers. I don't I, I can't. It's a it's a conundrum. It's it's a. I can't figure it out. It's too confusing. The other thing too it's is too confusing that, for us to figure out. <laughs> uh, according to um, the survey that was conducted in eight battleground states of likely voters, a full thirty-five um, percent of all respondents said that they would be willing to pay zero dollars each year to address global warming, including 17% of Democrats who responded zero. What now? But, but it's an existential threat. And the I, median response was $10. So a couple of lattes. Um, they're willing to sacrifice a couple of lattes. A couple of lattes. Where do you shop, man? The Starbucks down the street, it's like things. seven bucks. Um, latte and a half. So what are you saying, Tom? Are so, you saying that People. I'm saying that What's... it might not be the issue, the existential issue. The, it might not be the most important issue in uh, this next election, uh, in spite of what the New York Times and the Washington Post and Politico are, and others have indicated. Are you also so saying... That's just me. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Are you also saying that people don't want to pay any kind of tax for it, whether it be an open and honest and above-board carbon dioxide tax or a hidden and secret and terrible and 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 trust dissolving carbon uh, dioxide import tax, import tariff, you prefer the word tariff? Is that what, I, that what I, you're trying to say? I'm not saying that the voters are and uh, the respondents to the survey are, but uh, it is worth noting, however, that um, the the proponents of, of the latter uh, have basically been able to exploit uh people's angst and anxiety about china uh to uh, help them bolster their case for said carbon dioxide import tax but once they are informed about who pays for that uh that uh, support for said nefarious backdoor implementation of a carbon tax through the means of a tariff also receives widespread opposition so it's not a, a slam dunk on that issue. We do have some uh, voter education uh, to take care of, but fundamentally they're there. So I'm shocked. I'm amazed. It's a, it's, uh, we it, are going it, to, it's a complete departure from what I've seen before. We are going to put this survey in the show notes. Uh, I urge all of our listeners who care about these issues to take a look at it. Um, it's fairly consistent. Like Mike said, with, with voter sentiment, uh, year over year on these issues. Uh, so don't panic as, uh, you know, as they say, remain calm and carry on. But, but and this is also consistent with, uh, and this is from Bloomberg. This is also consistent with, although it, they have a slight, uh, uh, it's, it's only slightly uh, gives only a slight edge to the issue of climate change. Fake news danger becomes top Davos worry in year of elections. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's what you're worried about? False or wrong information poses the biggest danger to the world in the next two years amid a confluence of elections and economic drudgery. 
according to survey to a survey by the World Economic Forum. Klaus Davos Klaus. What's Klaus's last name? Klaus 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 Schwab Klaus von Hitler and uh, Schwab Klaus von Hitler and uh, the Davos crowd. Yeah. The annual poll conducted by the forum among more than 1,400 risk experts, policymakers, and industry leaders put, quote, misinformation and disinformation at the top of threats facing the global economy in the short term. Concerns about the health of the planet dominate the outlook for the coming decade, a trend already seen in previous surveys. I saw that. Can I ask a question? How do you get a disco bitchin' title like risk expert? I want that job. I mean, it must I technically am a risk expert. It must pay out cash, thing, right? It must pay out cash because, like, everyone's worried about risk. You just walk in, and go, okay, here's your risk. Like one in three that you're going to trip and bust your nose, right? I mean, it, it, it. I, I want that job. That's going to be my next job. So, you know, if you if you read between the lines, let me read this. You don't have to read between the lines. You have it's right it's right there, man. Okay, you're right, but just just follow along here. More than 3 billion people will vote this year with the US, India, Indonesia, Europe and probably the UK too holding some of the biggest polls due. The report confronts how economies squeezed by high borrowing costs after a once in a generation inflation shock just as a major as major elections take place, could present a toxic backdrop in the for the world in coming months. When these two things come together, the economic hardship being faced by many people and the rise of synthetic content combined with going into an election year where people can make decisions about who is going to be leading them, that together can be a very potent mix, said World Economic Forum Managing Director. I'm not going to pronounce this name. So... Is it it a German name? No, it's uh, Sadia Zahidi. So it's not that bad. Sadia Sadia Zahidi. Oh well, you know. Look, if you if if you're worried about if you're worried about misinformation, you definitely want to hear it from like German propagandists. I mean, that definitely. That's you know, it's. I read that. I thought the whole thing is so classic. Like, dude, we're supposed to be giving out the misinformation, not the other guys. Yeah, of course. But you know, the thing about this is, it's like. What they're basically saying is if if because of all these, you know, the, it's like this 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 economy, this inf- economy that the World Economic Forum is is fond of, and the results of it create angst among voters and they don't vote for their guys, yeah, then we're all doomed. yeah <laughs> I, I, I think I, I come at it from a slightly different perspective. I'm like, if you listen to the other guy's misinformation instead of our misinformation, we're all then doomed. We're all doomed, right? We're all doomed. I'm like it, it, ladies and gentlemen. This is your weekly reminder that elites, either in this country or on this planet, don't like you. They don't like you. They don't think you're smart. They don't like you. And if they could figure out a way to make money without you being alive, they would probably take that path. And the guys at Davos and the World Economic Forum apparently are no different, and that's a shocker. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So fake news is the number one threat to the Davos crowd. I bet you a hundred bucks we're counted. We're counted in the fake news slash misinformation. I'm operation. sure. Yeah. I am sure we have the audacity to, to speak the truth to power. I wonder if we ask Klaus to get on the show if he'd do it. 
<laughs> Go ahead. All right. Uh, you ever hear the joke? You want a Hertz donut? No. Okay. So you say to someone, "Hey, do you want a Hertz donut?" And they say, "Sure." And you hit him in the arm and say, "Hertz donut." Go ahead. Okay, it's a bad I, joke. I know where you're going with this one. I like where you're going. Bloomberg says Hertz is selling twenty thousand EVs in a shift back to gas-powered cars. Yeah. Huh. Odd. Weird. It's, yeah. Hertz apparently- Global Holdings plans to sell a third of its U.S. electric vehicle fleet and reinvest in gas-powered cars due to weak demand and higher repair costs for its battery powered options damn it i was gonna guess misinformation (laughs) (laughs) the sales of twenty thousand evs began last month and will continue over the course of 2024 tom can i ask a question here how can that be don't don't the Hertz guys know that EVs are the way of the future? They are the future. They're the way of the future. Hertz will man. record a non-cash charge in its fourth quarter results of $245 million related to incremental net depreciation expense. The dramatic about face after Hertz announced plans in 2021 to buy 100,000 Teslas underscores the waning demand for all electric cars in the U.S. What? Who are these reporters? They must be placed in jail immediately. <laughs> it's Klaus, not Klaus. at the level of demand that we anticipated. <laughs> Chief Executive <laughs> Officer Stephen Shear said, can, we may have been ahead of ourselves. You can, you can just hear their PR firms like, you can't say yeah. that. You got to say it this way. <laughs> it's like, hey, nobody wants these things, man. Oh, it's, uh, the demand does not appear. You know what? We're going to take a non-cash write-off if it's okay with you. Here's here's the good news. Um, yes. It, it appears that you, me, the the average American consumer, yeah. may be able to snatch one of these babies up for like $19,000. Hey, you know that you get like you get like a five thousand dollar tax credit for a used EV. Maybe we could do that. I'm saying, like, my I can get a, mo- a Model Three S for like eighteen, nineteen k. That's what? pretty tempting. My daughter's looking to you know being be driving her car next driving a car next May. So yeah, man, absolutely. You should definitely put in a new driver in a used electric vehicle that may. Light, oh no, no, no! I was gonna, that, I was that gonna light assume on, the ri- no, no. That may I light on would fire never at any do moment. that to my daughter. Would never put her life in jeopardy. I was gonna assume that risk and give her my gas-powered vehicle that I know is dependent and reliable and safe. So yep, you know what? At, at, like you say, with the tax credit in there, it's like it's free money. It's like driving around on your um, on your lawnmower. You're like, hey, whatever. Who cares? Maybe I should buy one. You know what? Everybody go out and buy one. You need a Tesla. You need a Tesla. <laughs> thank you, Hertz. I thank for you. For finally making EVs affordable after your $245 million write-off. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Oh, laugh. what a great energy policy we have in the United we States. We shouldn't laugh. I'm sure some I'm sure some some vice president of sustainability convinced them all to do this thing three years ago. And hopefully he or she is getting fired for it, but we'll see. So this this was from our friends at the Washington Free Beacon. Yo. 
Biden's energy loan czar, Jigger Shaw, was a major investor in a near bankrupt energy company. That company is set to receive $1.5 billion from his office. I'm not aware of this story. What's the name of the company? Biden Energy Loan Czar Jiggershaw was a major investor in a struggling green energy company. Uh, Plug Power, a hydrogen fuel company on the brink of bankruptcy. Ties between Plug Power and Shaw could add to concerns from lawmakers about conflicts of interest in the federal loan pro program, you think? Yeah. SEC records detail a longstanding financial relationship between Plug Power and Generate Capital, an investment firm that Shaw founded before joining the Biden administration in 2021. Shaw sold his shares, of course, in Generate when he entered the government, according to federal disclosure records. Under his leadership, Generate loaned over $100 million to Plug Power, one of the firm's crowning investments, according to his website. I'm sorry, how much? 128? $100 million. Yeah. Plug Power repaid the $100 million to generate at a 9% interest rate last December while it was in negotiations for a DOE for the DOE funding with Shaw's office. Hmm. Who's a reporter on that? This is Alana Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not telling anybody how to do their jobs, but if you're, if you're thinking about a second, a follow-on, You'd want to look for um, wives and brothers and sisters and sisters-in-law and brothers-in-law and mothers-in-law and people like that. Like who did anybody else have any investments in Generate? I want to uh, – whatever. How do, you, how do you open up an investment fund like that? I think that would be fun. We should do that. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow it gets, you know. We should do that. Is, if somebody, but if you're trying to save the planet, then, you know, the ends justify the means. Somebody so should give us like a billion dollars so we can run around and invest in stuff. I mean, we'd invest in all the same things, but. <laughs> just put it in the oil and I was going to say, we'd go around, we'd go around to Permian and just like, hey, man, you need money. <laughs> here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, so, yeah. And, of course, we don't really want necessarily want him to. Uh, be run out of the DOE because he gives us so much good fodder like that one time where he talked about the fact that it, the goal really isn't to replace every gas powered car with an electric vehicle. He was very clear and honest about that. And I the goal is to actually reduce the amount of vehicles available. Like I said, for speaking on behalf of the Save Our Cars Coalition, I'm very grateful for the clarity. Um, I, I will say this about the loan guarantee office, right? Um, you hand somebody $50 billion and say, go ahead, write a bunch of loans. It's in, in, in the energy space, it's going to be very difficult to avoid any kind of conflicts of interest, especially if you know anything. I mean, you know, you just, can you, can you imagine if we were in that office, would we be able to avoid conflicts? No, of course not. We'd write it to all our friends in the oil. Yeah. Business. Well, we had actually uh, proposed to eliminate the loan programs office in the uh, 2016 transition. Well, and we probably, that's probably a laudable goal. We definitely need to do it. The other thing we need to do is we need to think very seriously about moving energy jurisdiction to the House Resources Committee. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and we're, you, you, I am not beating that. I'm not finished beating that drum. I'm going to keep beating it because I think this year we might have a shot. I think we're running out of time here, but let me uh, let me close with, and I won't get into the um, into the nitty gritty of this article, but I thought this was interesting. Politico did a big piece on uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, 
How Justin Trudeau lost his grip. The Prime Minister's bleak reality. Canadians just don't like him anymore. Did, did I miss this thing? When was this? Yeah, it just came out. Um, let me see. It was yesterday, in fact. Oh, man. Justin Trudeau could lose his next election because he's just as not as he's just not as angry as the country he leads. That's the lead. Oh boy, really? Yeah, that's yeah, the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, it's always the problem. The prime minister has been getting smoked in the polls. His rival is a savvy and fiery conservative, dismissed at the outset by Trudeau's inner circle as too cantankerous for mainstream appeal. Pierre Pover has tapped grievance politics and assembled a coalition of populists. Social conservatives and center-right moderates that would make him a favorite if the vote were held anytime soon. That's the guy who chewed, is, that's the guy who chewed up the, the reporter. Yeah, yeah, the reporter yeah, yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah, he is good. Conservatives yeah. sit ahead of Trudeau's liberals with a 10-point lead. Um, anyway, the interesting article, I, I encourage people to read it. Um, How does it work in a parliamentary system? If somebody has a, 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 a not good lunch, they can call a snap election Yeah, thing? I think so. It's sort of like the, yeah. You know, you, so, you, you, anyway, you, you you win a lottery or a raffle ticket, and you can like call a snap election, something like you know. That's how it is, right? Yeah. So, um, no doubt his uh, his faux pas with the carbon dioxide tax has nothing to do with uh, where he basically let out the whole constituency it. off the hook is um, gonna gonna help here. But his he, he's basically in a in a pretty tough spot. Uh, and and here's the close. This is why I wanted to share this, and this is full circle. During a private reception, Trudeau dropped his guard. He warned the progressives in the room that moralizing or looking down at the at the world could fuel populist tropes about them being elitist. I see. The problem is not that they are a bunch of elitist poofdas. The, are you problem ready? Is they, the problem is they look like elitist poofdas. I, are, Go you, ahead. Are, you, are you ready for the close? Yeah, please. Out on stage, Trudeau made clear he understands. Communications is a problem, not just for him, but for incumbent progressives around the world. And that brings episode number 164 of the Unregulated Podcast to full circle. Except, of course, for the close. And because we haven't heard from him in a while, let's get an update from the man himself, Senator Bob Menendez. The problem is, is that there is no evidence of the giving or receiving of cash and gold bars. In fact, there has been and will be at trial a full explanation of what is the truth about those issues, a truth that proves I am entirely innocent of the charges. <laughs> Senator Menendez speaks his truth. Does he just have gold bars sitting around? Nobody gave it to him? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is there's no evidence. The, the problem. The transfer of gold bars to Egyptian foreign nationalists into my house. <laughs> the problem is, is that it feeds populist tropes. That's the problem. It is. And we're just <laughs> not communicating to the public about the fact that most senators do, in fact, have gold bars if, hanging around their home on a consistent and regular basis. If, if anyone becomes president in the wake of this next American election, I'm leaving the country. Anyone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. It's a wrap. Bye.
164 in the books. Namaste.